Thank you for tuning in into the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. If you would like to get connected, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or email us at downtown.podcast at newlifechurch.tv. We're going to talk about, have you all ever had somebody be mean to you? Kids, has anybody ever been mean to you? Brother, sister's never been mean to you before, I bet. Uh, We are going to talk about what to do in life when sometimes people are mean. Adults, we don't even have to ask, right? Everybody in here had somebody be mean to them at some point. Uh, And so we're going to talk about persecution. We're we're doing a series on the life of Jesus right now. I'm going to be teaching primarily out of Matthew 5, uh, 10 through 12. And the title of my message is, Our Responsibility is the Response. Our responsibility is the response. And we're going to be talking about persecution. So let me read this to you. Matthew 5, 10 through 12. Here's what it says. It says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Now, where this is sitting, this text, it's sitting in the Beatitudes. And what Jesus is doing is he is intentionally turning the value system of our world upside down. Because none of us would ever say that you are blessed when you're persecuted. Amen? That does not make sense to us. But in the economy of the kingdom, Jesus is saying it's different. So blessed are those who are persecuted for what? Righteousness' sake. So just because somebody's being mean to you doesn't mean you're being persecuted for righteousness' sake. Sometimes we all make mistakes and we say we're being persecuted, but really we're persecuting ourselves. Anybody ever been there before? Uh, I'm going to tell a story right here. I'm going to go off script. Surprise. Uh, actually, it's not totally off script. I got a couple of photos. Start with the last one. Whatever the one I, yeah, that one. Uh, that's Callie and me and our baby girl, George. Everybody say, aw. Uh, we were, you can go to the last one with me looking real guilty. Uh, we were driving up to Branson, which is, who, who in here has ever been to Branson? That's what you do if you live in Arkansas. I'm learning. Uh, you go to Branson, okay? You're trying to get away somewhere. You go to Branson. And so we went up there. We took Georgia to Silver Dollar City because they have the Christmas lights and everything out, which that place is shockingly expensive. $72. I didn't even look before. I thought it was going to be like 30 bucks, you know, $72 to go into this thing. But anyway, it was worth it for the family, right? I Actually, I was that dad. I was like, how much? And I realized I embarrassed everybody around me. I can go to Cedar Point for $42. Like, it's the greatest amusement park in the world. This doesn't make any sense. Continuing on, you'll notice, uh, go back, go back to the other one uh, with the Jeep. There it is. So uh, Callie let me uh, last month or the month before, uh, I wanted to, to get a Jeep. Uh, I had kind of a dad mobile and Callie let me sell it. And it was about the same amount of money. So I got an O2 Jeep. And the best thing about owning a Jeep is what? Taking the top off going for a drive, right? And so we're going on this trip to Branson, and uh, I, I, I don't have a soft top. I've only got the hard top for it. And so I was like, Callie, let's go, let's go without the top on the way up there. She's like, I don't think that's such a good idea. I was like, no, it's going to be great. The weather's going to be fantastic. She was like, babe, this is a terrible idea, but I'm stubborn, and I clearly won. Uh, and you'll notice Georgia is wearing her coat and my coat and my hat, 
because we had gotten to Marshall, Arkansas, and a cold front came through that I was convinced we were going to beat, but we did not. And so we had another hour and 20 minutes or so to go. And Georgia's 15, 16 months old, something like that. So probably too small uh, to be in that cold of weather. And so long story shorter, uh, it started to rain a few minutes after this. And Callie was like fire in her eyes, growing claws, angry, you know, like superpower angry. And uh, she held it in. She was pretty gracious with me. Uh, but I ended up having to call my buddy who was already in Branson and have him come pick Georgia and Callie up. And I froze my stupid tail off uh, all the way back up to Branson. And we still had two days. The lows were in the 30s. Uh, and so anyway, he, he, here's my point. <laughs> here's my point is that I had done something foolish, right? And so I wasn't getting persecuted in that moment. I, I was paying for what I had done wrong. But the truth is, is that sometimes you're going to have people who come against you in life, not because of what you've done wrong, but because of what God is trying to do in you. It says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Everybody say exceedingly glad. When you're being persecuted, just be exceedingly glad. It's like, yeah, Jesus, okay. He says, for great is your reward in heaven. For they so persecuted the prophets who were before you. Uh, this morning, we're going to talk about our responsibility in the response to hard times. And so let me pray and we'll jump into it. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you're good in every season. And so we trust you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Well, hey, let's jump into this text. A few things I want you to notice. Jesus didn't say, if they persecute you. He said, blessed are you when. Everybody say when. It's gonna happen. Okay, so he said when they revile. Y'all, that is abusive language. Like, blessed are you when people revile against you, spreading lies about you, uh, spreading the dumb things about you that you did do, that's called gossip, right? <laughs> that's, if you guys go out and start telling everybody, listen to what our pastor did, went on this trip, that's gossip, okay? Um, but then they also spread things you didn't do. That's persecution, that's an attack, you know, uh, Georgia's getting a little bit older, and so she, we're doing the daycare thing, right? And then also kids' birthday parties are starting to get more interesting, right? Because uh, they've got little wills and toys and all this. And Georgia is a perfect angel, okay? So, you know, she's never done anything wrong. She never will. Uh, and she loves to give hugs, all right? So when we do these things, she'll go up and, oh, I'll hug you. And she gives, lays her head and hugs. Not all kids like to be hugged, uh, I'm learning. Uh, Georgia is an extreme extrovert. She's extremely extroverted. She's extremely affectionate. So like at Silver Dollar City, she's just the whole time, she wore me out trying to meet strangers and hug them and talk to them. Like she'll just go up and start talking to them. And people like it, you know, but anyway, uh, kids, not so much all the time. And so I have these moments, right, where any parents in the room, where are my parents at? Uh, when somebody is mean to your kid, 
there is something that rises up in you, and it's this righteous anger, right? And uh, right now, we're at the beginning phases of it, but literally, Callie and I were talking about this last night, how Georgia will go up, and you know, she's, she does things wrong, barely, but sometimes. Uh, and, and, and when other kids are mean to her, you're like, I will kill you. Like, I will kill a child. <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> Can't say that. Uh, but you feel that, Right? Nothing will anger a parent like somebody else being mean to their kid. Uh, and, and what we're finding is we have to respond the right way in those moments because we've got to train Georgia to respond the right way in those moments. And so I want to try to give you guys, I'm going to give everybody some practical advice, but I've got a few things uh, for the parents as well. G- Jesus is teaching us when people come against us, we're supposed to respond differently than the world does. And so a great place to look and see the difference between Jesus' followers and everybody else is Facebook, right? No. No, we often look exactly the same, but the truth is that, that we don't have to respond the same. You know, the world is broken by sin, I was in in a life group with some other parents, which can I give you all some for free advice? If you're going into a season, go find other people who are already in that season and ask them tons of questions. And so for me, uh, when we got pregnant with Georgia, actually the year before, I used to call Harry Bates randomly and ask him for parenting advice and write it down. He'd say, dude, you got plenty of time. You need to relax on this. Uh, But we got into a parenting life group before we had her, and... um, one of the things that we talked about is how do you teach your kids when they start seeing brokenness in other people, how, how do you teach them to respond to it, right? Because we all know in the public school system, there's different things that are going to be taught that might not align with your values, amen? And so how do you teach your kids to respond? And one of the things that came out of that is when we see brokenness in the world, we can't be surprised by it, right? You can't hold a broken world to a godly standard, We've got to introduce God's love and God's standards to the people around us. But I think so often the reason we get so mad is because we're expecting them to have godly standards without a relationship with God. And what I found is in my life, when those things happen, it increases the grace I have for other people. But look what it says, John 16, 33. It says, these things I've spoken to you that in me, in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation and trouble, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. You know, we can't be surprised when people are mean, abusive, aggressive, controlling, manipulative. Jesus says you're going to have trouble, you're going to experience difficulties, but take heart, I've conquered that. You know, I was talking to another friend of mine this week, and we were talking through this message, and one of the things that we talked about is how as we head towards the end times, things are not going to get better. Things are going to get worse. Amen? Like people are going to be more rude, more bitter, more violent. Look what it says in 2 Timothy, Timothy, 2 Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 4. It says, but I know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves. Listen to this list. Lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to their parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, 
brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Y'all, does this sound familiar? Like, think about that. If you want to say this, if you read that list and you're just thinking about other people, you got to watch yourself too. (laughs) Because I hope you guys heard like three or four, maybe five or six of those, and you thought, ooh, (laughs) headstrong, guilty, prideful, guilty, disobedient to parents. Isn't that a crazy one that enters in? Honor is important to the heart of God. God wants us to honor the leadership he puts over us, and the first leadership God gives us is our parents. He's trying to teach us something. Y'all, as we keep going, things are going to continue to get worse, and we've got to be ready. Everybody say battle ready. Y'all, we've got to be built for battle. We're going to talk about that more here in a little bit, but y'all, threats, rumors, lies, slander, all that kind of stuff is going to continue to come up in your life for different reasons. Could be your appearance, your abilities, your lack of abilities, the way you talk, your race, your gender, your faith. This is another, in this conversation, as we're prepping for this week, I was talking to some of the other campus pastors, and you know, you know what the most persecuted people group on the planet is? It's Christians. I actually read this study in 2019 that came out, and I didn't believe it when I first saw it. I thought, uh, this is probably, you know, Christians boohooing ourselves. You know, I'm just, I'm pretty skeptical. And so uh, I dug into it. It, it wasn't a Christian group. It was uh, from the International Society of Human Rights. The number one globally persecuted people group is Christians. Listen to these stats. There are 150 countries where Christians are severely persecuted. 245 million Christians live under severe persecution, discrimination, unlawful arrest, prison. They live in refugee camps. They're tortured. They're killed. In 2019, 4,136 people were killed just for their faith. That's 11 people per day. There are actually countries, I was reading this this morning, there are actually countries that are near the genocide line. Like the global humanitarian groups are looking at it and saying, we're close to genocide in some countries with what's happening to Christians. You know, this week I follow, it's good to, to, to pay attention to people who don't think like you. And so I follow a couple of people who don't have the same values as me just because I love to know what they think. And it threw me, this guy's pretty extreme, but I read this week he said that uh, one of the top five problems in our country is Christianity. Top five issues in our country is indoctrination with Christianity. It got me thinking, why would somebody be so opposed to a God who come and says, I'm going to serve. I'm going to love. I'm going to lay my life down. I'm going to teach humility. I'm going to say blessed are the poor and the meek. I'm going to teach people to share and provide for each other's needs. Why? Jesus came and he taught these amazing things, but he also taught that the strength we think we have is not true strength. And strength comes from God. And y'all, that is a total affront to the way that the world thinks 
John 15, 19 through 20. It says, remember the word I said to you, a servant's not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. You all, for us to understand what's happening, we have to understand why it's happening. So number one, got to know the source behind it all. Y'all, the truth is, is that there is, I don't, I don't know where y'all stand. Let's talk about the devil for a second. Y'all want to do that? <laughs> uh, I don't know where y'all stand. I, I've found, even for me, I've gone through times in my life where it's hard for me to think about um, demonic forces and spiritual things. It's not hard for me to believe in God. It's not really hard for me to go there with angels, but at times I've found it can be difficult to think about the enemy's role in our life. But look at this. Ephesians 6, 12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness and heavenly places. Y'all, here's the truth, is that God has a plan for your life, and there is an enemy who does not want you to experience and walk in the things that God has for you. And I believe often he brings things against you in the form of people, in the form of bad bosses, the form of people coming, friends coming against you. And you may say, man, my boss doesn't even know I'm a Christian. How's he persecuting you? He, he may not know that, but the devil does. He's trying to keep you. He's trying to come against you in the things that God has for you. Y'all, sometimes people are going to be against you, and it's going to seem like there's no reason for it. And I believe it can be a spiritual attack. Everybody say this. There's a force behind the source. There's a force behind the source. We talked about this a second ago, but being built for battle. You know, it says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Y'all, we are in a battle. And the truth is, I think a lot of times for us as Christians, we have boiled our Christian life down to church attendance. Y'all hear me talk about this all the time. You're probably sick of it. I don't care. I've got the microphone. One day when you have your own church, you can talk about whatever you want to talk about. Uh, but I think we've boiled down, especially in, in America, we've boiled down being a Christian to what church you go to. And y'all, this is halftime. <laughs> this is not the culmination of your Christian life. This is the place where you get charged up to go back into the battle. But in order for you to do well in the battle, you've got to be trained for the battle. That's why we've got to learn how to pray. We've got to learn how to read our word. Y'all, today we're going to talk about some really practical stuff on how we can pray, how we can bring the word against the enemy and what he's trying to do. Because y'all listen, has anybody had a moment in 2020 where something has taken you down that you never saw coming? Like you've gone through something this year that you, if, if somebody told you in 2019 that you were gonna mess up or you were gonna get taken down by that thought or you were gonna get caught up in that negative thinking, you would have said there's no way. But the enemy got in. And, and he got you in that place. You know, you don't have to sit back and, and say, this is not a shame moment. This is a moment where we say, hey, I, I need to get prepared for the next attack. Amen? And so the big thing that's on my heart for you guys, for this church, for going into 2021, 
The, the thing that's in my spirit is we got to get built for the battle. Because the truth is, is that you are going to have battles in every phase of your life. And if you start waiting for the battles to go away, it's not going to happen. you got to get ready for the next battle that's going to come. And y'all, I think one of the big things with that is we've got to recognize who the number one enemy of our soul is. Y'all, people are not the problem. Sin is the problem. I believe spiritual forces, dark spiritual forces are the problem. And if you have, have an, an issue with that, an intellectual issue with that, I get it. But I'll submit to you this. The vast majority of cultures in the world believe in evil spirits. And I think a lot of times as Westerners, we, we tend to exalt ourselves over everybody else in the world and think the way that we think is the only way to think. And I just want to say, maybe there's more going on out there than you've ever considered. You know, if you go in and you study physics, they now know, I think it's up to seven or eight, nine dimensions that we can't perceive that exist, that scientists would say there are dimensions that we cannot perceive with our eyes, but we know that they exist. Y'all, I believe there are spiritual forces in this world. There are spiritual forces that are from God. There are spiritual forces that are opposed to God that hate you. And if you don't believe that and if you don't know that, you're not going to know how to pray. And y'all, God has given us the authority to break down and to abolish strongholds, but we've got to know to pray. We've got to know to bring those things to God. And I, I'm going to give you something today that's a little controversial, okay? So elbow your neighbor and say, get ready, take this with a grain of salt, okay? This is kind of a weird one, but this is something that God uh, has taught me. I was talking to Eric about this after the last service. Um, th there's something called vengeance prayers, okay? And this is going to sound funny. So I'll tell you the story of how I got here, and, and then I'll, I'll tell you kind of what God's taught me about this. So I had a buddy. Uh, he's brilliant, all right? The guy has three master's degrees. He's working on his Ph.D. He's got friends at every major university across the planet. Brilliant guy. Loves God. And uh, we're talking one day, and uh, he was having some issues at work, and he said, yeah, I've, I've started to pray some of the vengeance psalms against my boss. And I was like, back up. <laughs> what, what, are you, what are you talking about? What do you mean? He goes, well, you know, the, the guy's come against me, and, you know, I, I, <laughs> I believe that, that he's not coming against me, like, in, in, a, in a holy or righteous way, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray that God would, would move against him. I'm like, can we do that? <laughs> like, we're supposed to bless those who persecute us and pray for them, but you were praying the vengeance psalms. And so the next question you have to ask, was David in sin when he penned these psalms? Well, I would say probably not, you know, because it's canonized scripture. And so there's something going on there. Here's the deal. You are going to hit times in your life where you cannot get around someone. There is someone who has come against you. And the truth is that as you read the scripture, it is not our responsibility to come against them. It's God's. Look, look with me. Go with me. This is not on the screens, I don't think. Uh, Romans 12. This is a late edition. Romans 12, 17. When you got it, say, I got it. It says this. It says, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what's honorable in the sight of all. It says, do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. It says in verse 19, it says, Dear friends, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it's written, vengeance is mine. 
I will repay, says the Lord. Another translation says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Y'all, here's the truth. Revenge is not in your hands. That person who's gossiping against you, who's coming against you, your job is not to turn and then gossip about them or try to break them down or go behind their back and tell everybody all the things that they're doing. Your job is to love them, is to pray for them, is to pray that God would move in them, but also (laughs) to know that at some point you can pray, God, this person has come against me and I'm just going to pray them into your hands. And so you're going to have two different types of enemies. You're going to have enemies who are, who are supposed to be brothers and sisters in Christ who are coming against you and who are actually hurting. This is kind of my test. Are, are they hurting the movement of the gospel in the kingdom that Jesus is trying to bring? And if they are, then that's the time to say, okay, God, I've had moments through the years um, where I just had to pray, God, I'm not covering that. <laughs> and so if you bring hail, I just pray that they run back under the covering of, of where your grace is, of where your blessing is. And then you're going to have other people who are not Christ followers. And our prayer is that they come to know Jesus, but also if they're hurting you or they're impeding the move of God, it's okay to say, God, I pray that you'd help me out with this, <laughs> you know? And so uh, that's something you can add to your prayer life. And, and I, I want to encourage you to be careful because... Sometimes you could start praying against someone when really it's you who's in sin. Um, Really, it's you who God needs to work on. And so for me, before I'll ever do that, I'll always take it to a couple of counselors and say, hey, again, I'm, I'm kind of intense on stuff, but I'll just say, hey, am I off? Like, is there something I'm missing? Is there something I need to repent of? Is there anything else I can do? And then privately, sometimes I'll go and say, okay, God, I need you to move on my behalf, y'all. And it's amazing the things that I've seen God shake, do, and move. Uh, A while back, I had one of these situations where, like, I had done everything I could do, could not restore the relationship, and so finally said, okay, God, it's hurting the kingdom. It's hurting the things that you're trying to do. And it took two weeks, and God brought that person back into the fold. They had some things go on in their life, (laughs) but they came running back to God. And so... You know, we've got to know how to pray, what to pray for. And there are moments where you're going to have people who come against you, and you just got to ask that God would fight for you. Amen? You all hear what I'm saying on that? It's kind of a weird one, isn't it? Isn't that a weird thought? A guy asked me after the last service, he said, I'm trying to figure out how do I balance praying and believing good things for them, but then also praying against them. And uh, you just got to stay clean in your heart with it. Because the number one thing we want is that we want people to be whole and healed in relationship with God. Amen? But remember, the person is not the problem. It is the spiritual forces behind those things. And, y'all, we have got to be people who intercede. I wonder what areas in your life you've been blaming a person for, but the enemy's been coming against you. You need to shift your prayer life. Number two. We can never forget who we are, what your identity is. And I'm running out of time, so I'm gonna get through this pretty quick. You know, we've gotta remember that we are in the family of God. You know, the scripture says that when somebody comes against us, the enemy comes against us, that God scatters them in multiple different directions. The scripture says that we're supposed to be the head, not the tail. We're supposed to be the lender, not the borrower. The, The truth is that it is not bad for you to have good things happen in your life. I think so many of us live in this guilt mindset. Y'all, 
God wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing to the people around you. That is Bible, that is scriptural, that is what God wants to do. And here's the truth. I heard somebody say this in a message one time. She said she'd grown up without a dad and then God became her father. And she said she, she remembers in school at one point some girl said to her, uh, you don't know who my daddy is. And she didn't have a dad. But she said, as I've gotten older and I've gotten mature in my faith, when things come against me or difficult times come against me, I say back, you don't know who my daddy is. Because she understood she is a daughter of the king. Y'all, listen, you are a son. You are a daughter of the king, of the one who built this whole thing with his hands, with one word. He built us up out of the dirt. He breathed life into us. That's who your daddy is. And so, y'all, sometimes we get so lost in our problem that we forget our identity. We are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony. You were created in the image of God. You're the Imago Dei. And God loves you. He made you with a purpose. And as you go through battles, you have got to remember who you are and what authority you carry with you. It's the name of Jesus. And y'all, if God is for us, who can be against us? I'll give you something practical. You know, a lot of times kids, anybody in here ever been bullied? What do you do? You say, tell your teacher, karate chop the kid in the throat. Breathe, count to 50. We can't just be practical in our approach to these things, although we have to be. Can't just be emotional. My approach, I'll beat up a kid, you know? We gotta be spiritual. We gotta open up the Bible. We've gotta look and see what God says. We've gotta look and see what God says about the situations, and we've gotta teach our kids to do it. I was, earlier we were singing that song, Be Enthroned upon the praises of a thousand generations. Isn't that amazing? That's the legacy that we're a part of. Generation upon generation upon generation of Jesus followers. And I'm looking around these kids in the room and I can't wait to watch them grow up and get to stand on your shoulders, get to stand on the shoulders of your faith. Because the things that we carry, the things that we do, the people who come after us will get to walk in those things. Amen. Last thing. can't pay back evil for evil. Romans 12, 17, if somebody's done you wrong, never pay back evil with evil. We talked about this a lot, but y'all, we just got to trust God with our problem. I'm going I'm to close with this thought. Uh, I got this from a guy named Marcus Brown. Uh, he spoke on this topic too this weekend. And he said it this way. So David said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Y'all listen to me. I love this. He said, he said, the day you get saved, God has put two bloodhounds on your trail. Bloodhound's name, number one, is goodness. Blood, bloodhound number two's name is mercy. And they are going to pursue you. They are going to hunt you down. And they are going to be with you. Y'all, the goodness of God and the mercy of God are chasing after you. And y'all, sometimes when we're in a battle, 
We've got to quit running. We've got to quit doing it our way. And we've got to pause. And I love the way one pastor said this. He said, God inhabits the praises of his people. So when you're going through a battle and you begin to praise, you've created a throne for God to come and sit on. And so I wonder how many of you guys are in a battle right now. Y'all, some of the biggest breakthroughs I have ever had in my life have not come from brilliant ideas or scheming and thinking. It has come from moments when I've surrendered in worship and God's given me a new perspective and the Holy Spirit has started to guide me and to lead me. Y'all, we need the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen. Hey guys, Pastor Bronson here. Just want to say thank you for listening in. Uh, Our hope and our prayer is that this podcast equips you on your walk, your journey with Jesus. And so please like, subscribe, share, help us spread the word. We love you.